What's up, comic book fans? This is Keith from Comic Books Transformed, and I'm here with my very good friend, Brian. Brian, are you ready for our final episode of Comic Books Transformed? Apparently, yes. Uh, yes. Apparently, I'll be doing my own offshoot show of, of woke superhero reviews. Yes, it's called Coors Hair Cares, and you can find <laughs> him on Twitter. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> um, what do you call it? The reason why I'm saying we're going to get canceled is because I'm going to complain a lot about She-Hulk, and I feel like that is going to make it look like I am some kind of incel misogynist. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to call you Todd this episode. Ooh, take that, Todd. But uh, the the thing is, I, I want to point out that I am not an incel misogynist. I uh, love my wife very much. I have two young daughters. I love women. I work in a profession where I mainly work with women. I don't think that the problem with She-Hulk is because it is about a female character and that it sort of leans more towards female shows. I think that the problem is actually the storytelling itself. But Brian, you're going to just totally contradict me right now, aren't you? It's it's possible. Yes. Brian, I think you were a fan of this week's episode. I, yeah, I was. I did like it. Yes. Okay. Okay. So maybe not to the point where you're thinking, though. Okay. 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 All right, so then let me let, get the ball rolling real quick, okay? This this is how I feel. I kind of feel like regardless of the subject matter, like regardless of the fact it's about a woman or a man or, uh, you know, any kind of these issues that a woman might face, like have you ever, ever gone to a school play that was like for kids that were like younger than you? Like have you ever gone and seen a school play? Yes. Okay. You know how, like, sometimes they, they put all their effort into it and they, they tell all the jokes and they're acting, but, like, it just kind of doesn't hit the mark, right? Like, the jokes maybe kind of fall flat. Has it ever happened to you? Uh, sure. Yeah. I kind of feel like this show, it's like, I know what they're intending to do. You can kind of see what they're intending to do, but it's like, it just doesn't hit it. And, I, and like I've said this, every time we've reviewed the show, like, the jokes kind of don't hit the mark. And there's, like maybe two or three really good jokes in this episode. But for the most part, I just feel like the show, it like for every seven, uh, seven jokes or 10 jokes, there's seven that land in like, I mean, wow, it's early. Seven that don't land and three that do. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I can agree with that ratio for the most part. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't laugh that much during the show. Yeah. I don't think it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, what shows do make me laugh these days. And I keep thinking, coming back to, um, we, we've talked about what we do in the shadows before, and I, I know you're, you're not, like, a huge fan of that show. And you think that they just, people just think it's funny because they can they curse a lot, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if this is the same kind of humor as that show, but without the cursing. That is interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that you bring that up because there's sort of, like, there's a whole bunch of shows that I don't like but i think that people really like like modern family that, that never appealed to i me. like modern family i i i like the first couple seasons I, I watched it a lot but i i definitely trailed off after a while um i do think there were some really good moments in that show though um here and there i i, I still see clips of it here and there i'm like oh that's actually pretty funny <laughs> well, they, they, they set they they do some good setups in that show sometimes you know okay. uh, and I, I feel like this show doesn't have that. I think that that's kind of what I'm looking for almost. I'm, I'm looking for them to set up some kind of big joke and then have it land later on. It just, it just doesn't happen, I guess, or misses, I guess. 
Okay, well, well, let me ask you this. On Modern Family, right, like, is every single character a caricature? Or are there, like, people that just kind of seem like regular people? Um, I, I wouldn't call them all caricatures. Yeah. Some more than others. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I think, I, I think in a comedy, you need some amount, some slight amount of a character of a person because yeah. real life isn't that funny right i guess oh, okay okay well, how about some common ground you, you are a fan of arrested development right oh yes i love Arrested Development. okay so so most of the family the blue family are like over the top kind of weirdo goofy yes. people right 100 yeah but like even like if we look at like george michael for instance right He's kind yeah. of silly and goofy, and you could say he's a little bit of a character, but he also makes a lot of these comments where he kind of points out how ridiculous the other people are. And that's, yes. you know, George Michael. And I mean, obviously, Michael in Arrested Development is like the straight man, and he is reacting to all these other weirdos, right? Well, I think what's interesting about that is that he's the straight man, but he's not. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Yeah. He right. thinks he's the straight man, essentially. Right. But like, and, and I know you're also fan of like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Yes. So, so like each member of the gang or whatever in that does over the top crazy oh, yeah. stuff. They're very over the top, yes. Right, but like they, they all also kind of have moments where they all kind of seem like normal or they'll kind of like make jokes about how the other person's not normal. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. feel like with She-Hulk, it's like, everybody's just over the top and goofy and there's there's not that sort of like oh well here's the real world like the real world just doesn't kind of creep in it's just always like over the top and ridiculous yeah Except but i Jen. think that's that that's kind of what the a shield comic is originally you know yeah i, I okay so i agree with that too that that's one thing because honestly my main main thing with this show my main problem is the finale the uh, actual like ending of this right okay that's my main main problem and it is all about breaking the fourth wall that's the whole thing is breaking the fourth wall, yes. right okay and, and like when john byrne did uh she hulk and he did that fourth wall breaking stuff it was kind of like this the, the comic wasn't doing so well and so they like would break the fourth wall to kind of acknowledge that they knew that the comic wasn't doing so well and it was sort of like this self-deprecating thing but it was like, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it, it wasn't yeah, like. Well, I, I think in the right. comic they were they were actively aware of the of the of the comics, uh, you know, lacking in sales. Right. Because because they created month by month here, but in this case, it was all done in advance because the show had to be finished before it aired. Right. So yes. you're saying you're saying the self deprecation wasn't earned. I think that, that actually that's a really really good point that you make there because the comic it's like it's every month and it's not like it's all planned out and all filmed in one shot it's like they can kind of adjust things slightly every yes. month I mean or so. I'm sure there's I mean obviously there's more planning involved than just like they don't start work on the next issue once the one comes out like it's planned in advance but it's yeah. a little more um fluid in that sense very very good point very good point it's like yeah yeah I, and, and I think that, though, that there's this sort of, like, humbleness that the comic has, and it's, like, poking fun at themselves, but 
the way that She-Hulk does it, it's like it's like this thing called like lamp shading. Do you know what lamp shading is? Has I have I mentioned it on the show? Uh, yeah, but give me a give me a a quick refresher. <laughs> so, so lamp shading is like when you have a movie or a show or a play, and like basically they make a joke about something to kind of be like, see, we know we're doing this, but they're still kind of doing the thing they're making fun of. So like an example I can think of for She-Hulk would be like, um, oh, Wong is on the show. He's he's like Twitter armor for a week. And it's like, they're, they're making fun of the fact that they brought Wong onto the show to kind of appeal to the fans, but they still are like using Wong to appeal to the fans. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah, okay. So, so it, it's kind of like, well, it's okay that we are doing this because we're we're pointing out we're that we know we're it, yeah. doing it. I, I get that, yes. And I, I think, think yeah, and there are definitely instances in this episode in particular where that happens. Right, right. And, and I know I'm I'm talking a lot, but I'm, I'm just real passionate about this, and I, I kind of want to change your mind too. <laughs> but um, like two examples, I think of a fourth wall breaking are Wayne's World and Deadpool, the movie Deadpool. Right. In yep. both of those cases. Um, they kind of get you filled in on like the character, how they're feeling and maybe like a little bit of backstory to explain like, oh, this person does this. And, and they're like letting you in. You're, you're like the friend that they're letting in. And um, in She-Hulk, I feel like it's all just kind of like, this is what we're doing for this episode. And it's just kind of poking fun at the Marvel formula and stuff. And it's not necessarily... Um, like showing us more about the character or like getting us on the character's side you know okay. look like and one well, last thing and i'm, I'm going to shut up I, I promise the one last thing is that this show is heavily influenced by fleabag which is a show about a woman and like her life right and it's in britain mm -hmm. and and the main character they never say her name so we just call her fleabag but um she always breaks the fourth wall and it's always to kind of show how she's always thinking and feeling and it kind of shows that she has these problems, but she does it in a funny way. But it's it's this very like intimate thing where it's like you're kind of seeing inside their mind, and she's she's kind of talking about the other characters' motivations. So you kind of see about them, and and so it's this very like intimate kind of humbled thing. Nope. Whereas I feel like good. I have not watched Fleabag before, but I'm very curious to check it out now. And maybe maybe this is why I'm not as harsh on this show. Um, is that a more R-rated show? Absolutely, absolutely. I, and again, I go back to my my point earlier about like, is this like would this show be elevated if they cursed? And I, I honestly think it would be <laughs> if they went full into adult uh, adult content and and language, um, rather than dipping a toe into a more family friendly version of it. Okay, I you know what that is actually a really good point because I think um, like before I made that comparison to the school play. Like, obviously, they're all going to have cursing in school plays or, like, yeah. be like, look at this boner. Like, he just ejaculated. They're not going to say that like a, a fifth-grade school play. But this is so Disney-fied, right, this show. Yeah. So they'll, they'll talk about, like, her going on dates and stuff and all these kind of things, but they just they can't go. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So well, – um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You can, you can. Okay, well, I still, I still have one last thing to say about the fourth wall breaking. Um, so we established that the fourth wall breaking is essentially Jen always commenting on the episode itself. It's always like, oh, there's still more to this episode? What's going on? They're tagging the scene. There's, it's always about the show, right? That, that Her little fourth wall breaking. 
And it's established in the very first scene that she could break the fourth wall. And it's, but it's not established like this is her power that she can break the fourth wall. This is what makes her special. And um, like in the end, the fourth wall stuff is kind of the action that she takes to resolve the problem, right? Like, like she like literally, she, she's dissatisfied with, with the way the story's going. So she like breaks the fourth wall. They, they go to that uh, Marvel menu and she jumps out of it and then goes to like Hollywood or whatever to go confront the writers. And that's like her actively going to change the story. But I feel like the show isn't set up in a way to make it like, oh, her fourth wall breaking is how she's going to fix everything. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I, I do understand you. So there's there's no precedent for her being able to, to do this, I, I, I suppose you're saying. So it feels unearned. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I disagree with you, though. I, I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think it matters that if that's her power or not. I, I think I think the fact that, the, that they always broke the fourth wall in, in a meta way of speaking about the show. This is just the culmination of that. OK, um, I, I think that I think they did set a precedent for that. I mean, they, they don't acknowledge it as being a power of She-Hulks or anything like that, but. Like you said, every episode, when she breaks the fourth wall, it's always something about the, the episode or the episode structure for the most part. And I think this is just the evolution of that. This is just the, you know, as far as they can take that. Okay, okay. Well, one thing I was gonna kind of give it credit for was that when she finally goes and confronts Kevin, who's like yeah. this sort of AI, that's basically Kevin Feige, but it's like a robot, right? Yeah. When she goes to confront him, she becomes Jen again, which I really liked that. And then I like that she essentially, like a lawyer, kind of pleads her case about the ending being a certain way. Yep. But what I don't like about that, I, I really like the idea of her being Jen as a lawyer to like resolve everything. But what I don't like about it is, is that Kevin doesn't like really push back. And Kevin's not intimidating. It's not like there's like a real challenge when she's a lawyer and she has to kind of like overcome it. It's just like she becomes a lawyer. She's like, hey, this ending sucks because of this, this, and this. And he's like, hey, I guess you're right. Let's change it. Like, it's not like there's this, like, tension. I think it probably because the show is so short. Yeah. It's not like he's like, oh, we're going to double down and we're going to have the Red Hulk come in or something. Like, he does, there's nothing like that. It's just like, she's like, hey, this sucks. And so let's change it. And he's like, okay, let's change it. And they change everything. And I, I feel like the show itself was setting up everything she did not like about the finale, with the exception of the one guy turning himself into a Hulk. I mean, that that was so over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. But everything else sort of seemed like that's where the show was going, and not Bruce coming back from space. But um, it's like the writers were setting it up, and then they kind of used this excuse of like, oh, well, we're trying to do this Marvel ending, and that's what's bad, and she all has to fix it. But it's like, you set the show up. You you could have done a different plot. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like I you can't just like say, oh well, it's they, a Marvel ending and that's the problem. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I, I understand. I, I I can agree to that to an extent. Um, it, it they they definitely wrote it that way with the intention of doing it this way, but it's it's weird that they wrote nine episodes of it just to say that this is dumb. Like. Uh, yeah, I, I totally can agree with that. Okay. 
I also, also, I have to say in terms of Kevin, uh, I actually did get a couple laughs out of the scene. Um, right. The whole don't transform off sc- on screen because of the budget. I got, I laughed at that. I laughed right. at the action reference. I right. laughed at the, am I going to be in a movie? No, I laughed at that. Right. Um, but I honestly think that this episode, this, this would have been so much better. If it was actually Kevin Feige. I, I, I thousand percent agree. Yes, yes. I really wish it was Kevin Feige there instead of the Kevin robot. I get the idea of the joke that it's named Kevin or whatever. I even saw it coming because I had subtitles on left from from Andor. Um, yeah. So, um, so it said K E V I N in the in the in the subtitle. Right. When, when they said it, but Kevin when she said it. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, um, it's. I, I agree with everything you said, and the best joke in that sequence is when she's like, "I smashed the fourth wall. I smashed this. I smashed Bat Murdoch." That—that's the best joke in the whole episode. That was good, yeah, too, yes. yeah. But but, but yeah, yeah. So part of the issues. But like we said before, like the lampshading. So part yeah. of the issue was that like, oh, the, the Hulk shows up randomly, and and you know, and then, uh, and, and basically the things she complained about happened in the episode anyway. Right. Know? Right. Um, and I, I'm also very confused what happened with the meal. Um, I guess I'm not talking about the, 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 the tag at the end, just like why he was there. I, I mean, was he just hired to speak as his normal self and wasn't really aware of that, all of this? I Because that kind of bothered me in the sense that I liked happy-go-lucky Emil. It actually really grew on me. Right. And right. I feel like they just took that all away. And I guess that was the intention for whatever the tag means of right. him going to, to go, go to Comertage and that was going to happen anyway. Right. Um, so, but I, I, I kind of wish that that status quo stayed. <laughs> uh, 1000%. The, the, the episodes that we liked the most, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but the episodes that we liked the most were the, the original, the pilot episode. And yep. then where she goes to Emil Blonsky's little commune, yeah, basically like the last three. It was like the first one and the last three or something like that. Or maybe it was the last two. Or, I'm sorry, you didn't like this one. The the one with Daredevil and the commune one, yeah. Right, right, right. And, and so um, the commune one was really the one that turned it around for me. And, and, and like I made a big point when we discussed it of like how like that one scene where she's in that circle was like the best scene in the show so far. And so yeah. like that him like just being with these incel people kind of undoes that well i don't necessarily think that he was a part of it i think they just hired him mm-hmm. because he because of his uh really his you know antagonistic relationship with the hulk or yeah. past, past with the hulk and uh and even his dealings with with she hulk i think they just hired him and they thought that, that he would be on their side but i don't think he actually was okay. but it was kind of muddy and messy i guess right 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 so and and again you're right like they didn't have to write him in there for that but i guess that was the intention because they they knew the the tag with wong was coming and they need then for whatever reason they needed to get them him to comertage do you think that him going to comertage means that he is going to be in thunderbolts and just in the marketing they haven't shown him to make it kind of a surprise no, because I think the surprise is Harrison Ford as as Red Hulk. Okay, okay. I, so, I honestly, I'm honestly thinking that that Wong and Abomination are going to be some B list um, defenders. Oh, that's cool. 
That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe like maybe they like recast like Iron Fist or something and they get him to be with them or something. That'd be kind of cool. Well, I'm I'm almost thinking of the of the like the the more right like Nate, more Hulk Silver Surfer. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. I mean, they're yeah. not, obviously not going to put Silver Surfer in it, but um, no, that'd be cool though. But, but oh, but Namor, Namor from this new Black Panther, that'd be cool. That would be cool. That's, that's kind of what my guess is on that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and this is like a little side tangent thing, but like one thing that I always thought was interesting is that if you look at the phase, like essentially one through three of Marvel there's only really two established teams, right? There's the Avengers and there is uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? True. Now, when we move forward into like phase four that we're in, right? You have the Eternals and the Guardians and the Avengers. And then there's one other team that I'm not thinking of, but... Um, um, I don't know if you want to count the Netflix Defenders version, but... No, not yet, because I, I still feel like they might rule that off as, like, that's another reality. Like, I feel like we're going to get all these, like, multiverse things when we get to, like, Secret Wars, and I think they might yeah. make it, like, the Netflix stuff is its own yeah. thing. Um, uh, other teams? No, I guess there's not. Maybe I'm just on drugs, but, like, and they, they did kind of, like, split the Avengers into two teams, and they've certainly done that in the comics, too, where there's, like, new Avengers, and then there's Mighty Avengers and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Dark Avengers. Maybe I'm thinking, like, Maybe I'm thinking about teams to come. And, like, we know we're going to get the Fantastic Four. We know yeah. we're getting the Thunderbolts, right? Yeah. We're going to get the Young Avengers. So I feel like teams are kind of where it's at. And we're yeah. going towards that. So Defenders, that would be fucking awesome. Like, I haven't seen anything of Namor besides the trailers of Black Panther. But, like, I'm super pumped about Namor. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Um. So I, I just want to make sure I finish complaining about She-Hulk. No, I haven't. So here we go. So, so like, um, she has her friend. What, what's her friend's name? That's the Nikki. Woman. Okay, Nikki. And then there's Pug. Pug's easy to remember because it's so stupid, right? He said that Pug was like uh, Pug Prometheus. was Prometheus and Arrow. That is so. Awesome. I didn't get that far into Arrow to actually see, but yeah, I wonder if he had the helmet and stuff. But um, with uh, Nikki and Pug, they go to resolve Jen's problem. Jen has lost her job. She can't be She-Hulk anymore because she got in trouble at that gala. And uh, or the Women's Lawyer Awards. Um, and so Jen just basically kind of feels defeated. And so her friends go to solve it and they go to infiltrate the incel group. And the thing is, is that it's like, they're not the main character, right? Like they're like trying to do something for the main character. And, you know, I watch like Buffy and stuff with my daughter. And it's like, obviously like the supporting cast do things sometimes and maybe Buffy's hurt or she's depressed or something. But I feel like by the finale, you kind of need her to be like actively doing stuff. And it's like, if we take out the fourth wall stuff, which we will, when, if we ever integrate She-Hulk into the Avengers or something, then this situation will look like she accidentally stumbled onto this their meeting and like Pug and Nikki exposed these guys. And that's how the authorities came. And that's how this all got resolved in the real world. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what did She-Hulk really do in the real world besides like kind of accidentally stumble upon this meeting? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's like a metaphor for her reluctance to be a superhero. Mm. Um, and that and that kind of helps inform 
uh, the, the end tag where she's going to come after people as both a lawyer and a superhero. Right, right. That's sort of the way the show was going, right? Where it's like kind of yeah. like them together. Yeah. And um, there was also like that conversation with Matt Murdock at that picnic where he's talking about how he defends like superheroes or he has his own private practice. And then the mom is like, well, you must not make a lot of money. And so I think the idea is that like Jen is going to have her own practice, right? Yes. I think Jen's going to have her own practice. She's going to have some money struggles if there's a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I think this, this was all about getting to that point. This was about getting Jen to a point where she's a lawyer and a superhero and then where she can exist and fit in, in the MCU. Okay. Well, in these, has, has every single Disney plus show been a phase four show? I think so. Yeah. Right. Cause phase three ends with uh, Endgame, right. Or like Spider-Man. Uh, no, no. Endgame. Uh, isn't there one more after Endgame? There's I think always that, one more after it usually. Uh, I think, let, I think let's. It, I think it is that one because I think the very next one after Endgame is Black Widow. Right, I think Black Widow is phase. Oh, maybe four. Black Widow is the one that technically ends it. Maybe I don't know, but right. phase um, three ends with Far From Home. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Phase three ends with Far From. Phase three ends with Far From Home. Far from oh. home, not No Way Home. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm so what? God damn, it's been so long. You're right. That is after the blip. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, anyway, all these shows are Phase Four, and so, um, do you feel like, at least for the second half of Phase Four, that what Marvel does best, which is to get you excited about upcoming things, do you feel like that the mid-credit stuff, the sort of like the wrapping up, oh, what's next stuff? has been kind of lackluster. Yeah, I, I, I can agree to that. Right, I feel like but at least since... Go ahead. That's... Uh, you, you have to think about this in two different ways. Okay. One um, one is is that we, we've said this before, that they've, they've essentially burned through the top-tier characters for the most part. And then they're trying to establish lesser characters, much like they did... For Iron Man, because Iron Man w- would not have been considered a top tier character prior to that movie, I don't think. Right. I think right. he would have been B tier at best. No. Yes. Um, or A if you want to, I don't know, whatever scale you're going with. Right. Second level. Um, so I think that, so that uh, has to be in consideration. And then uh, you also have to think about the sheer scale of Endgame and that you have to have a lull after that so that the next big thing feels important. Right. Like that was just a huge, huge deal. And then nothing can compare to that. Right. Nothing should compare to that for a long time. Right. So that's right. why the, all these things seem lesser right now. I think you could equate a lot of these things to the earlier MCU phase one stuff. Uh, but there's just more of it now than there was then. Because uh, what is phase one? Like six movies? Five movies? Yeah, I, I think. It's six movies. Be- and it's six movies, and one of them is the Avengers. So, but, you know, you could argue that Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America are all not, like, nothing super crazy goes on in any of those movies. Right, in right. In terms of, other than the the the, the, uh, the implication that they're going to form the Avengers at some point. So, I think 
it's fine for now that the teasers aren't amassing to much. Yeah. I think that will change as we go longer because these phases have gotten larger. Yeah. And like I said, there needs to be a lull before we have the big, huge Secret War stuff later on. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I guess, like, essentially what they teased in this was that they showed Scar at the end, at the picnic. Yes. And then the other thing was Wong and uh, uh, Abomination. And now if Wong and Abomination is leading to what you said with like a Defenders and they might have like Namor on the team, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's good. I'm excited about that. But otherwise, I just thought it was sort of like, oh, look at these two rapscallions. They're, you know, moving on. And I, I didn't think it was like one of the biggest upsetting parts of one of these like post-credit or mid-credit scenes was in Hawkeye when they did like the Hawk, the Captain America musical thing. And yeah. that was the post credit scene. I was yeah. like, oh man, that is lame as fuck. But um, I have to say that I was just very underwhelmed when they showed Scar. And, and one last thing I want to say about that is I've read comics with Scar in it. And Scar is not like, oh, this is this awesome character or like he brings a lot to the story. Like, yeah, I'm so glad they brought Scar. Like I kind of don't give a fuck about Scar. I kind of think it's kind of silly that he has like this grown son that he like conceived like maybe two years ago and now it's like a grown man yeah i um i have no idea what they're going to do with this i had speculated that they were going to somehow turn this into um world war hulk but being that he's there amicably uh i i have absolutely no idea what they're going to do with hulk and scar moving forward the only thing i find interesting maybe and i and the only angle i can possibly take is that there seems to be maybe a parallel between Hulk and Scar and Thor and his his new daughter, of which his name I can't remember. So I'm wondering if they're setting up an, a a future movie where Hulk and Thor team up with their kids to fight something. Man, you're just like Mr. Optimistic Fun Future, aren't you? For for these franchises, I, I, have, I have to. There's so much horrible things in the world. I have to have my escape somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's let's think of who is established from the Young Avenger team so far, and let's see if we can add. Oh my God! Wait a minute. What if they're just gonna throw Scar in as, as a replacement for Hulkling? Right, right. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. Was that like, what if all these children characters are actually just members of this new Young Avengers? Let's just see. Let's just establish who we know are from the Young Avengers that are we've seen before. Wanda's okay. two kids, right? Yep. Then we've also Wicked seen who Wicked and Speed, yeah. That's uh, Wicked uh, and Speed. Then we've seen, uh, you know, the kid that's, that's Patriot big, uh, or whatever. Elijah, no, wait, is it Isaiah? Uh, Elijah's the son, Patriot, right? We've seen him. So, we've seen him. Then we've seen Stature, Stature, and Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop, so that's five. Have we seen any other young Avenger type? I mean, I, I wouldn't roll out a kid Loki at this point. Right, uh, I think they get. I think they honestly can and will throw in Miss Marvel into this. Okay, so Miss Marvel, so that's essentially six. You could have eight then if you brought in Scar and I. I, I don't know what they call it, but at the end of Love and Thunder, I they're guess, like I guess love. Right, right, right. Um, I know that, like in the comics, there was a time where they had like a young character. On oh my god! Like, and then they could throw in. I assume they're going to throw in Ironheart as a replacement for Iron Lad. Iron Lad. That's a big fucking team already, you know, without bringing in 
uh, Scar and, and Love or whatever her name is. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, you could do it. You're, you're talking like maybe like eight or nine characters. I mean, it could kind of work. But yes, yeah. I mean, I, they X Men movies exist where there are that many characters. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. a great example though. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Um, I, yeah, I, I like the idea of them essentially being on those teams and they're kind of comparable. Um, I, I still think that there's potential for what you could do. There, there is um, there, there's other like teams with young characters on them, and, and one of the teams I can think of is. Um, Champions? Nick Fury's Secret oh. Warriors that he had. Okay. And and Nick Fury's Secret Warriors were because like Hydra essentially had taken over everything secretly, which we already kind of got in Captain America Winter Soldier. But yeah, his... I feel like they kind of covered this that kind of stuff in or they they did that sort of story with Agents of Shield. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. They did. They did. So like not that, that counts I... anymore. Yeah. But on that team in the comics, you had Ares, who was the son of, um, I mean, Ares, the god of war, yep. who was on the Dark Avengers. And then he had a son named Phobos, and Phobos is like a god on the team. And so I feel like Thor's adopted daughter is almost like the equivalent of him, even though it's a girl, different father, you know? Yeah. So so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have a lot to work with to build things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, She-Hulk. Why don't we go ahead and do our rankings of the existing... Although, before, before we do that, i got to ask the big question here. Uh-oh. Um, do you think there will be a She-Hulk Season 2? And would you be interested... Do you still think there's any potential in this in this show? I absolutely do. I think that uh, shows that sort of are lukewarm or not that interesting in the first season, I think sometimes they like kind of learn from what went wrong and they come back strong for a second season. Okay. You know? So yeah, I, and I I also agree. I I I am very mixed on the show overall. Yeah. Um, but I I still I I still I still do see potential in it, and I do hope we get a second season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the day when you would binge watch shows that had already been on, but now they're all on Netflix or something, there there'd be that one part where you're like, oh, we'll just get through season one, and then season two is where it really gets good, you know? And yeah, that, that happened. Oh yeah, I I we've said that. About other shows on this show, so right, exactly, exactly, and of course, there's the inverse too, where it's like, oh, season one was really good, and then it kind of went off the rails. But I feel like She Hulk has the potential to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, let's do our rankings. Um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, from the bottom, uh, number nine. What if? Uh, still, it's more my not liking of CG animated shows. Um, right. I, otherwise, I, it, it's not a bad show. Um. Uh, but it, it's it's going to take the lowest spot for me. Uh, after that, still number eight, Moon Knight. Still the most dissatisfied with that show overall. Um, yes. Beyond that, uh, next I have at seven, Miss Marvel. I still liked it, um, but it, you know, it's lower tier for me. And I play She Hulk here. Uh, yeah. I I think I, I still think it's not it's it's not a great show. I don't love it. I don't hate it either, though. So it's it's kind of right in the middle. I still think there's potential here. Uh, and then my other rankings from there is Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki. Uh, I tossed in World by Night at number three. I don't know if Ooh. you remember to put that in there. I, I really liked it. I really liked the idea of this present, this uh, special presentation idea, which I believe they, that they're going to do with Nova. Yeah. Uh, and then I have 
uh, number two, WandaVision, and number one, Hawkeye, which I know we don't agree on either. Honestly, we don't agree with almost all these on the list, which is fun because you and I usually agree about pretty much everything, you yeah. know? So it's cool that our rankings are so different. Uh, I did forget to put on Werewolf by Night, but I, I think I know where to stick it in. Haha. There we go. So anyway, uh, let's do... <laughs> yeah, that's right. a bloodstone. <laughs> there you go. Nice. No, I meant man thing. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> so um, if we go at the very bottom, then Moon Knight. I feel the exact same way. Dissatisfied with the show. I don't have it at the... You know, I don't have what if at the bottom, but you had Moon Knight at the second to yeah. last. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here we go. Right above that is She-Hulk for me. Okay. That's how much I didn't like it, right? Okay, now here's where we're very different. Hawkeye is right above She-Hulk. Okay. Yeah, we, we've we've gone through this plenty of times. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Ms. Marvel would be above Hawkeye. And then uh, I would put Werewolf by Night between Ms. Marvel and then Loki. Okay. Then in my top three, we have What If... Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. So we both so have one. What if one, is three? I didn't do three. No, no. What if is three? So that what if is three? three, two, one. Yeah. Okay. So your 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 top is WandaVision and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. So I just didn't really, put really. Um. Uh. I don't think your list are that drastically different. So like, a Hawkeye. What if? And. Yeah, that's really the only major switch there, I think, is Hawkeye and What If. Yeah. Uh, everything else was within two or three. Okay. Of each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think, though, that it's interesting when we do have these, like, very different rankings for specific ones. Like, the majority might be similar, but then very different rankings for specific ones. Like, certain shows landed differently for us. Like, clearly, Hawkeye landed differently for us. Yeah, uh, I, I like it's it's such a clear thing for me that I yeah. love Hawkeye the most. Yeah, like it, it like it's indisputable to me. For me, that was my favorite, and that brings me to the point of like uh, every time I see someone mention Shield on Twitter, it's like someone's either saying Shield was the best show and everything number one, and then someone in the comments is like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? It was the stupidest, dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life." Right. And that's really right. it. It's either one or eight. Like right, not right, nine, whatever you want to call it. Right, 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 and and that's a really good point. And like when I look, looked up She Hulk on Twitter, the tweets themselves were all that they loved She Hulk, and it, it it made me kind of feel like Star Wars: The Last Jedi because I remember when I came out of the Last Jedi, I was like, oh, this is a good Star Wars movie. Like I liked this, and I come out and like everyone's like, Last Jedi sucks. You know, and my thoughts have kind of changed on it since then. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But I also don't look, hold it as high as I did. You know, but it's like funny. I walked, I walked out of it hating it, but I rewatched it later on, and I ended up loving it. And I think it's my favorite of it's. It's easily my favorite of the the sequel trilogy. Okay, out of the sequel trilogy, it is my favorite as well because it's sort of like the most unique or has its own, like own story for the most part. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I, I just. I kind of have problems with the sequel trilogy. It's probably because I'm a misogynist and a woman is the main character. Yeah, I mean, how, how could a woman be a Jedi? I mean... I know, and the most powerful uh, one, definitely Mary Sue. Yeah. yeah. And where so, does Leia uh, go? Oh, I'm not going to get into these bad jokes. <laughs> right. But if you guys like misogyny and you hate Mary Sue's, then you definitely can subscribe to the last... No, wait, that's... That's even the wrong channel. <laughs> <laughs> Comic books transformed. No, Danny likes women too, I promise. Um, no, no, comic books transformed. 
that's this channel subscribe we have this channel and we have our podcast too and let us know what do you all think of our rankings too i want to know what you guys think of our rankings do you agree with me do you agree with brian what do you all think all right you ready to andor it up uh no i have one more thing to say actually i don't think i don't think we joked about being canceled for this episode i don't think so no (laughs) no 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 that was the whole point is that like I, I do. I truly think that, like, if we're going to talk about stuff that we're passionate about, which is obviously like media, comic books, and stuff like that, people can criticize stuff regardless of if it's about a man or a woman or if it's about a person that's black or white. Like, it, it just matters on the story, you know? Yeah. And, and, like, the thing is, I think that, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier deals with race quite a bit. But then yeah. every other Marvel thing, it, it, it kind of deals with personal problems and like macro problems like this show and falcon and winter soldier really were about like this is about women and this is about race but then the rest were like individual problems and macro problems you know yeah and and so like i i just i don't personally i don't like the idea of like marketing something or like when people do their media tours they say well oh people just don't like it because they're incels or they live in their mother's basement i hate when celebrities do that shit because it's like you're basically you're setting it up to like oh you disagree well you must be a racist you must be a misogynist and it's like yeah you can't do that because it's cheating you know what i'm saying yeah I, I find it ironic that I'm like, oh, they say guys live in their mother's basement. Meanwhile, I'm in my garage. Like, I look like I'm in my mother's basement. You know? And <laughs> I, um, I am in a basement. It's my there you go, basement. yes. Basement. Yes. But see, I'm not. I'm, Brian might be a misogynist because he has like two feminine transformers, but I have a dollhouse. Look at that. <laughs> yes. From my grandmother. So I love women. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There's women in this episode, too, of Andor, uh, episode six, The Eye. And uh, what are your thoughts on Andor, first of all? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we know the show is sticking to like a little three-episode arc here uh, so, so far, and then that's continued here. We expected the big heist to go go down here, and uh, it goes down. Um, downhill pretty fast. <laughs> uh, for <laughs> right. the characters, anyway. Um, I really did like this episode a lot. Um, this show continues to be I, – I, which shaved me up to be my favorite Star Wars show. Yep, yep. Yep. If if we do our ranking the way it is going currently, it would probably be at the top, you know, over Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I like about it, and, and you've said this in the past few episodes that we've done, and then other people I've talked to, I talked to my friend Jay last night, um, and he's a big fan of the show. It's that we're seeing this ground level stuff. We're seeing how the empire affects people. And uh, Jay has always said to me that he wishes we could see more examples of how hard it is living under the empire. And I think that this show, besides showing that, what it does even more is it shows what it's like to live within the empire. And um, in this episode, you have this one guy they take hostage. His name is Commandant Jehold Bihaz. This is your Star Wars weird name, right? Yep. Um, and he's taking his family along a tour of this garrison that he's in charge of and the family gets held hostage. But before that happens, we kind of see an Imperial officer with his wife and his kid. And I don't think I've maybe ever seen that in star Wars ever. Yeah, no, they, they, they have absolutely humanized the empire in this show just as much as they're humanizing the rebels uh, you know, 
Right. And, and they've, they've shown the ugliness of the Rebels, too, which you don't often see. You know, right. but like you said, they're the rebels here. They look awful when they're holding a family hostage. They really do. Right. You kind of question like who's who's bad here, you know? But ultimately, because of what we know about the universe and uh, the Star Wars universe, we know the Empire is really truly the evil side. So, um, but still, it's like for for a fraction of a second, you're kind of questioning it. Yes. Yes. I mean, ultimately, we're always going to know that the Empire is evil because they have this, like, dark wizard that's in charge of it, right? And his evil cyborg henchmen. Um, but there are cases that are made throughout the movies and especially the comics and the books where it's like the Empire brings order to the galaxy. And so it's like there's corruption, but the Empire gets rid of corruption. So you can kind of see how people are bought into it and they believe in the Empire. Um but it also makes the, the heroes look like terrorists, like you said, like when they're holding like a little kid at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, and so we see things, like you said, go downhill very quickly. Um, one of my questions for you, and I asked this to Jay last night too, was did you see Commander Gorn, who was like the double agent for the rebels and, and the, he was on the Empire side? Did you see him get killed? Uh, yes, but only after I went back. It is such a quick flash. It's in the background. Um, you see uh, Vel. Vel? Is, is Vel the former stormtrooper? Leader. leader. Oh, the, okay, the leader's Vel. Yeah, it's blonde she's, woman. Yeah. She's taking cover, and you see him get shot and fall. Like, you don't even see his face, but you see the uniform, and you see it. Like, I had to go back and find him. Like, what the hell happened to this guy? Right, 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 right. They made it much bigger. They much, made it much... Uh, uh, Tamarin's death was a lot more prominent, so it was odd that they didn't show that at all. But I guess I mean I I I'm not surprised there. Like I imagine in in, uh, in the chaos of a battle like that, and you know a plan kind of getting all messed up, um, I, that's what happens. You know things that happen you don't see, and you have to kind of go. I mean, um, it's it's a little weird that no one commented on it at all after he died too. Like they commented on Tamarin, they commented on. Um, uh, it's ne Nem Nemec. Nemec. I mean, yeah. uh, he was obviously on the ship, um, but yeah, it was a little strange. Also, uh, a little strange that both black guys died right there. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that like, I remember they showed the one guy die, and they they really stood out that he was a former stormtrooper, and that in itself was interesting because Finn is a former stormtrooper. He's also a black actor playing a stormtrooper, and like. It was so much more interesting in this little glimpse here of like 30 seconds of this guy being a former super stormtrooper than Finn in the entire sequel trilogy. Yes, know? because he was much more militaristic uh, than Finn. With Finn was very much kind of goofy, right? Uh, and just does not seem like a stormtrooper at all. I mean, I guess stormtroopers are also kind of goofy in a different way, but um, yeah, this was this was more along the lines of like. Holy shit, that TIE fighter is terrifying. Like, like, holy shit, stormtroopers are terrifying rather than that stormtrooper just hit his head in that door. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I think that, like, one of the parts I dislike the absolute most about the rise of Skywalker is there's a part when Finn and Poe are on a First Order ship and they're just, like, shooting stormtroopers left and right and just running. And it's just, like, so easy that they're shooting them. It's like you're in a video game or something. They're just like, Psh! And the stormtroopers just fall over. The stormtrooper like opens the door and gets shot. Like I hate that. You know, it's like yeah. they're the fucking enemies. They should be scary. Yeah, and uh, you know they, they 
other Star Wars media have shown the TIE Fighters are nothing to scoff at, really. You know, they're, they're very easy to blow up. They don't have shields, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, but Stormtroopers are worse in that regard. Right. Like, they are a joke. The, like, like, you know, they can't hit the broadside of a barn. You know, the like, w- what they did in Obi-Wan, you know, uh, all shooting the door. Like, everything, no. The, yes. This, yep. Tamron, when they announced him as a Stormtrooper and, and they showed him it being all, you know, you know, uh, Lieutenant Commander here. Um, like that was like shit. Maybe stormtroopers should be scary, right? You know, right. More. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And so then, like, it was sad when he got killed. Like, oh man, I wish he'd gotten through it. But like, um, he he walked. Tamron walked so that Finn could yell Ray. You know, multiple times in the sequel trilogy. But anyway, um. Going back to the idea of like the rebels sort of getting taken out and how easily they're taken out. One thing the show stresses is like how when you're a rebel, it's so dangerous that you kind of just have to look out for yourself and you have to just keep moving forward, even if your friend's getting shot. At one point, they leave behind. I think Cinta is this other woman that's on their team. They just leave her behind on the base. You know. I think that was that was planned though. Oh, that was the plan. I think that was what they always intended that she was just going to walk out in the uniform because otherwise, why would she have had that uniform? Um, and and yeah, it, it's a little. It was a little strange, though. I, I think. Yeah. Um, I think what what that really shows, though, is that these people sat there for months and months and months making this plan and perfecting it, and yeah. they still were just not prepared for what was oh, actually yeah. happening. Um, and that was a good thing in terms of you know the drama and tension for the show. Um, right. it, the, this heist absolutely needed to go bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and it it did go fail pretty spectacular. I mean, they, I guess they got away with some of the money, but uh, the, the, not as much. Not all of it, for sure. Right. Right. Um, and I I think uh, yeah, like I I enjoyed the fact that they seemed to, you know, they, they allotted this amount of time to to load all the stuff in and all, do all these things, and it's just there's nowhere near enough anything so just to show that their general inexperience and uh or lack of experience really yeah yeah i mean there was a ton of money on there uh and yeah this i actually was like oh shit how are they gonna pull this off when i saw all that money i was like this yeah, they is said so 10 much. minutes I'm like they moved like three things like what the hell are they doing right 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 <laughs> so um you you talked before about the guys going in the tie fighters and I think I almost started crying at that point because like it had been done so well. It was so tense that I was like, I was just so happy that I felt this tension from yeah. a star Wars show. I was like, Oh, this is good. This is good storytelling. And then when they were like climbing into the TIE fighter cockpits, I was like, Oh, this is like scary that the, the TIE fighters are coming. And, um, you know, everyone essentially gets taken out except for Cassian and the, the leader. Uh, and Santa. Right, right. It was it was really rough when the the boy that had the um, Nemec, you know, the yeah. manifesto, he gets like crushed by the money because like I haven't really seen that in a Star Wars movie where like a yeah, it was a very uh, it was a fairly mundane death, um, you know, essentially because he just got hit by something and just broke his spine, and you know they drugged him up to get him to, to get him to do his job, and then he he passed afterwards. Yeah, um, yeah, hardcore man. Um, so then we come to this end where uh, you have uh, what the fuck is it, guys? Scheme, scheme, right? And yeah, I want to talk about scheme quite a bit here. Do it, do it. Um, so, 
Skeen is is uh, heavily advocating for them to go to this doctor that they right. have sort of built into their plan, but um, you know, Vel thinks that they should just go to the, the their original meeting point and skip over the doctor. And then Skeen's like kind of has like a like a little bit of a character turn here, where he's like suggesting to Andor, like, hey, why don't we just go steal all this stuff and split it 50-50? Mm-hmm. And I was that like really took me by surprise. Right. Uh, and I'm not sure if I meant if that's in a good or bad way yet. I haven't really decided yet. Because uh-huh. I, I it it he basically says that the story he told about his brother and, and the Empire um you know ruining his life and all that. He says, I don't have a brother. I made it up. Right, right. Well, then why is he there? I think maybe to get the money, right? I suppose. I, I don't know. It just seems it seems odd that that this group of people would have been brought together just to steal money. You know, like, like how would he have known that they would just wanted to steal money? Yeah. I, I guess. Um, you know, it... it it absolutely makes sense for Andrew because he's getting paid to do this, but um, Skeen clearly was not. But well, so I, I just I think it calls into question his involvement a little bit too much for my tastes. Yeah. But um, ultimately, it, it leads Andrew to make a hard decision and just shoot him on the spot. Um, you know, like 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 you mentioned, uh, that's something he does. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and it kind of wraps up the most for the most part the all the characters in this arc uh so we can move on to it and get another set of characters next next week yeah yeah and when cassian kills him it, it was very brutal it was almost like he like punched him with the blasters it's like yeah you know I, I thought that was really cool um and and so sudden i was like oh shit uh but that's kind of his thing uh when they have when you have a heist it's like every person has to fulfill a role and obviously, the guy's former stormtrooper makes sense. The guy that's working with the Empire makes sense. The manifesto kid, he was like the one that kind of like I think planned out like how to fly out through the eye. I think that was his thing. Yeah, he he was kind of essential in the actual planning. He made the models for the base and all that, so they can kind of visualize what they needed. Excuse me, what they needed to do. Right. Um, but ultimately, he was the heart of the group. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the, the idealist. So, and and uh, I think that uh, we see Vel. God, her name is Vel, right? <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. Blonde woman. Uh, the yes. leader, the blonde lady. The she insists upon Andor taking the uh, his manifesto, and I think that's going to be an important thing oh. uh, moving forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I I'm just wondering what Skeen's role was then specifically, because you you asked the question of. You know, would he join this group just knowing that he was stealing money? And then, like, you know, would he kind of commit to this sort of harsh life for months just to get this money? I, I do think that that's very possible. I do think a criminal would commit, like, months to something if they knew they were going to get a big payout. Um, but I wonder what his role was on the team. You know, I mean, maybe it was muscle. I don't I don't know. Well, um, we're not exactly sure. Uh, obviously, Andor pilots the ship out, but that was not his. He was intended to be as a backup to everyone, so maybe he was supposed to be the pilot. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm a big fan of the show. We still have what, like six episodes left? Yep, halfway through the season now. Yeah, I mean, keep it coming. Um, we are now 
minus a second show, She-Hulk. And so next week, you and I are going to discuss Black Adam, though, right? Yes. Black Adam and Andor. Okay, cool, cool. I'm already, uh, I'm already seeing stuff about it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like, sort of not as extreme as She-Hulk, I guess, but I'm seeing like, oh, it was terrible and it was great. Uh, I've, I've heard rumors of, uh, of, of the, the end credits tag being spoiled and online already. Oh wow! Um, and I've heard of what it could be, and I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm trying not to look at it. Right. I think we've heard the same thing too. I think I'll, I'll save it. Just so we don't spoil it for our viewers, but I, I think yeah. we, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have that, and we have Andor next week, and then Brian and I are eventually going to start doing uh, uh, Lock and Key, and we're going to like just do one big episode for the first season, and then we'll do season two, and then season three. So uh, yeah, if you guys have not subscribed to the channel already, please do. Uh, we're going to keep talking about Andor until it's done, and uh, we want to know what you guys think about Andor as well. So please. Like I always say, like, give us some comments because I love hearing what other people think about this stuff. But uh, otherwise, me and Brian will see you next week. Cool, man.